Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello and welcome to the Giant Splash Podcast. I'm your host, Chronicle a Giants beat writer Susan Slusser, and our guest today is Giants bench coach Kai Correa. Kai, welcome to Giant Splash. Thanks for having me, Susan. You guys uh, have been playing such good defense all year, and uh, you've had a lot of guys who have really stood out. Um, to me, somebody who has not seen the Giants every day until this year, the guy who has, of course, really impressed me the most, this it will not surprise you at all, is Brandon Crawford. I'm wondering, as somebody who works with the infielders, what kind of pleasure it is to watch him every day and what you feel like makes him so good. Yeah, I mean, there's so many layers to that, right? It's really special. And, and coming over myself last year, I had that same newfound appreciation. And it's something that Buster and I were talking about in the dugout the other day is that um, – what Craw does is he makes everything seem so easy. And, and and because of that, sometimes when you just see highlights every single night, you don't realize that that's happening every single game. I mean, he, he's gone, he, he, he went, I, I believe I counted 45 games without an error going back to last season. You know, tough plays, easy plays, no lack of focus. And um, he's an absolute treat to work with. I think the easiest thing to, that stands out to me is that he's, he's really a true perfectionist. And he's a true perfectionist in his in-game performance, and so because of that, he's a perfectionist in, in his pre-game work. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And I, I know, you know, most good fielders are guys who don't bring their out, at-bats to the field with them. And, and last year, his offense probably wasn't quite where, where he wanted, and the defense was, of course, still there. But is it possible for the opposite to happen when a guy who is swinging the bat really well, like Crawford has been doing this year, is it, does it sometimes maybe even lift their defense even more too? Do you see like that, that happening? Like the good thing amplifies the other thing. Yeah. You know, I think we're all, we're all human beings and, and affected by a ton of different factors. And, and I think it, it'd be hard not to believe that momentum you know, on one side of the ball that happens 30 seconds prior isn't going to positively impact um, your ability to play defense. I mean, as you said, he's a really, really elite separator of the two, but I'm sure it's not hurting that he's also swinging a hot bat. Um, What what sort of leader is he uh, of the defense, particularly when, when, you know, he he does have the gold gloves and he, he has that steady presence? You know what what he is? He's very much so like an intellectual leader of the defense. He, he's, a, he's a thinking man shortstop. He's always re- reviewing previous at-bats and pitch sequences and what he thinks in the swings. He likes looking over the charts um, that our staff provide. He likes thinking the strategy, and he's always communicating that with Longoria, is also a thinker of the game, and, and Bell. He's, al- he's always communicating um, with Doobie on, on the nights where they're paired together and on the nights where he's off and Doobie's in there. And so um, he's a very, very thoughtful leader. Uh, when it comes to defensive play. 
Yeah, he Crawford's had to pay with an awful lot of second basemen this year, um, sometimes injuries, sometimes mix-and-match situations. Um, how much adaptation does that take? Is that something natural? Does it take a lot of work? What, what goes into playing with a lot of different second basemen for a shortstop? Yeah, I, I think specifically um, because he's so thoughtful in terms of communicating with his partner and helping both he and his partner be in the right positions and talking through different scenarios before they come up. It makes him particularly prepared to play with multiple second basemen over the course of the season, uh, which is excellent for us based on how we've used different second basemen and the injuries we've had to overcome. Now, when you do have a lot of different second basemen or anybody, you know, playing a bunch of different positions uh, as an infield, how much do you then have to do things like adjust shifts, adjust adjust defensive plans from game to game based on your personnel? Yeah, you know, I think all of our guys have uh, unique skill sets, and the biggest thing is um, putting everyone in positions to um, excel and and. and that comes kind of with the preparation that they've they've all uh, done in practice to move themselves around, which gives us the, the kind of the ultimate versatility to do it in the game. I assume when you have somebody like Crawford too, that helps because you can basically kind of move him around in different shifts to cover whatever you need him to. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think he and Dubon, their ability um, to play um, both sides of the both sides of the second base bag and shifts and convert double plays in both sides of the bag, that's really, really unique. And so that basically gives you the ultimate flexibility is, um, you know, their ability to to feed and pivot from both sides of the bag open up all the opportunities. Now let's talk a little bit about Dubon. He um, obviously is somebody that has a lot of unique talents and abilities. Uh, you know, he can play shortstop at a high level. He also showed last year he can play center field at a um, more than adequate level. Um, but he, even he has said, you know, he can be a little mistake prone. Um, the fact he is now playing uh, more at second base because of some injuries. What are your thoughts on him at second base and what does he still need to work on there? Yeah, I mean, he's an elite defensive player, both physically and intuitively, wherever you put him, right? He's shown that, like you said, at center field. He's shown that at shortstop, and he's um, he's definitely showing that at second base. He's, the, the metrics show that, and then just the watching it every night shows that, that he, uh, he has pretty special abilities on defense. In regards to what he needs to improve on, I think he took the giant step uh, over the last, uh, season on his own and, and the biggest thing is something that we kind of talked about earlier is that you know you said you know Crawford has done a great job not allowing offense to affect defense throughout his career but I would take that a step further in the major leagues uh, it's even harder to, to not allow current production or starting lineups to not affect your defensive work let alone your defensive play and the giant step that Doobie has done is regardless of whether he's in the lineup or not, regardless of where he's playing on a given night, regardless of how he's hit in recent days, he's out there doing defensive work at multiple positions every pregame. And that's a, a giant step forward in his, in his career, and it shows the commitment uh, he has to be an elite defensive player, and then in turn it's led to great results. And so I think that's what, what people are seeing are just what happens you know, after 640 every night. So people aren't seeing what's happening at 4 o'clock 
and his com- commitment to improve his throwing in collaboration with the pitching group and to be prepared to play all three of those spots is quite impressive. Well, Sunday he had a really spectacular defensive game. Uh, you know, he makes a play in foul ground, and, and then he also had that amazing play where he faced a runner back to first and then turns and throws to third and gets the runner at uh, at uh, Frazier at third in Pittsburgh. What, how did you see that play? Because that was something that seems like you're probably not going to work on it a ton uh, and really takes strong instincts. Yeah, yeah. Whenever you see a player make that type of play, you know, Doobie made one in the first year when he got called up in 19. That was, uh, or excuse me, in, yeah, 19. It was a similar play. If, if highlights, uh, if my memory of highlights are correct, and, and Carl's made a handful of plays like that in their career, what that is is anticipation uh, to me more than anything else. Is that the thought process is if this unfolds a certain way, I'm going to do this, he's going to do this, and then I'm going to do this as my counter move. There's no way you can execute something like that without that anticipation. And and that's what um, he does that makes him really special. Is that he recognizes in baseball, outs are everywhere. And if you anticipate, you can find a way to get one in conventional and unconventional ways on nearly every play. Uh, where do you think uh, he still needs some work? What do you feel like he, he needs to do to, to get to the next level maybe? Gosh, you know, I, I would say that he's performing at a gold glove caliber when he's out there playing defense. And so that would require to be, like, very, very nitpicky. I think every single player, um, their greatest, their ultimate task of, uh, of improvement comes with not abandoning their routine. And so he's done a really nice job through the back 40 games of last year and into the first 40 of this year. And I think if he continues to do so, um, it's going to continue to yield the positive results that he's shown. The, the fact that he's really not playing much center field uh, at all right now, does that help, too, as he's preparing uh, his infield work? Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say so, just because he does a really nice job. The Antoine and Alyssa is using the batting practice window uh, to prepare for his outfield play on days where he doesn't play outfield. So every single day he does both, and so he's not, he's not changed his preparation in any way. That's amazing. He seems like he'd be very fun to work with because the, the personality, you know, he shows in interviews, uh, you know, he's like, seems like somebody that, that really has a lot of enthusiasm, smiles a lot. What, what's he like personally to work with? Well, I, I think it's something that he and Carl both have in common and even Longo and Belt a little bit. They, they have fun taking hits away. They have fun making big defensive plays. And when you have fun playing defense, it makes the, the early work and the pregame work not work. It, you're doing something that you love. And so it, it's exciting for me. I mean, I'm constantly checking my watch pregame, looking at what time it is, you know, getting ready and getting excited to go out there because they make it so much fun. It's fun for us as a staff as well. Mm-hmm. And so I think what you see is what you get with Doobie. When you see him smiling and laughing and having fun playing defense, he, he approaches his work the same way. It's a blast, and it's, it's, a, it's a constant competition amongst those guys. Yeah, do they have kind of like little informal competitions between themselves? What what do those consist of when they do that? Oh, yes. Yeah, the guys are always kind of telling themselves in terms of how close they can get to a machine, how firm the ball's coming out, or what throws they can make on the run. And I think that's a, a really, really healthy defensive structure is when you have older players challenging themselves, when you have Evan Longoria going about their routines and, and training at the fringes of their ability every single pregame, 
it's so easy for younger players uh, to hop in there and, and want to compete and pick up those positive uh, traits for the older players. We'll be back with more with Giants bench coach Kai Correa in just one moment. But first a reminder, you can find all of the Chronicles Giants and Major League Baseball coverage at www.sfchronicle.com. And to subscribe, go to sfchronicle.com slash pod. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Another guy who's been playing a lot of second, in fact, almost every day for a while, was Wilmer Flores. He's uh, got a little bit of a hamstring thing right now but uh what are your thoughts on Flores especially kind of thrust into action the way he was and winding up at that spot almost every day how, how do you uh, evaluate the job he was doing there oh I think he I think he was doing a fabulous job and I and I think our our defensive group would all agree uh that the best way to sum up flow his 2021 campaign is the phrase no surprises you know he was he was thrust into action last year um you know, when we had some injuries and had to play some third base and he stepped up for us and he had some tough plays and, and, and some plays not go his way, you know, and, and he, he had received some criticism for that. And he came into this year and he just was always asking questions and always communicating about being prepared to play second, being prepared to play third and being prepared to play first. And he took that no surprises uh, thought process into his work. And there are a lot of days where he's out on the backfield at spring training and he's playing second base that night, and he wants he wants ground balls at third because he wants to be ready if something changes in the lineup. And then there's another night he's playing first, and he wants ground he wants to turn some double plays at second. And so those are the little things he's done to change his routine um, and make himself ready in the event of a double switch, in the event of a lineup change, in the event of an injury. And um, I think we're really really proud of that work, and we uh, we are really excited that he's taken that kind of no surprises theme to heart, and it's shown. He's done a really nice job for us. Yeah, that seems like a, a difficult assignment sometimes to be ready to go in and play anywhere or play one spot, you know, every day for a while and do it um, as a coach, as a team. Are you kind of looking for basically like? we need you to be sort of major league average at all of these spots? Or do you prefer a guy to have at least one spot that you feel like he, he's probably going to be better than average and you know you can plug him in there? Yeah, I think it's a mix of both, right? You're, all, every infielder is going to have one place they've either played more in their career or are particularly well-equipped. But I think our thought process that we want to secure the baseball when it's hit to us. We want to complete routine plays. And if you take that mindset and that fundamental approach to every position, um, you're not going to hurt the team. And so that's the cool thing for, you know, Tommy LaStella is coming over here and Donovan Solano um, prior to getting hurt. And Flo is they've challenged themselves to almost go back to the basics and, and repeat their footwork and get in good fielding positions, um, regardless of where they are in the diamond. And once you've acquired the baseball, you know, the tough part is done, and it's about completing a throw and, that's kind of the expectation for them is they make those plays 
um, in, inside their routine box, and everything will flow from there. And, uh, and we've seen that from all three of those guys. We've asked to move around. Now, talking about second base, of course, Donovan Solano looks like he will be coming back here sometime in the next day or two, flying into Cincinnati, as you and I are talking. Um, when a guy is coming back from an injury uh, and has uh, been on a little bit of a rehab assignment and has uh, it's been a month since Solano has been out there for you guys, what do you look for from a defensive standpoint? Yeah, you know, you, you, you just look for somebody to be comfort with the pace of play. You know, playing defense at one position, let alone multiple, is, is a difficult task in the major leagues. People are strong. They hit the ball hard. Uh, the surfaces are fast. They get down the line. You know, and so you're looking for just the comfort and that, that pace of play. Um, the exciting thing about uh, Donovan is as he was on his, uh, his comeback train and as he was going rehabilitating his legs, um, one day, Longo and I, we got back from the road and went to go do his pregame routine. Um, and the balls um, for, for the machine were already out. And we we're like, oh, that's funny. You know, we put those away when we left. Well, come to find out Donovan Solano has got, you know, a trainer putting balls in the machine for him so he can do ground balls on his knees and keep his glove sharp. Oh, wow. And so that's kind of the, you know, that's kind of the cool thing is that, you know, I, you and I spoke early in spring mm -hmm. about his improved defense and how he changed his offseason routine. And then to see a guy carry that over into his rehab, it makes you feel more comfortable thinking, oh, that curve's going to be uh, an easier return in terms of uh, coming back from injury. And so another testament to the work that he's done. Yeah, that's amazing. Now, now tell us real quick, what, what does uh, do those kind of drills with the balls coming off the machine, especially if you're doing it on the, on the knees? What does that do? Is that reaction time? Is it um, sort of just quick being able to make quick movements how what are what's behind drills like that yeah well i think the best way to describe a drill like that is to talk about evan longoria's work mm -hmm. right he's the the biggest embracer of that type of work and he plays their basement third base in, in, in the big leagues and that you got guys who are big and strong and everyone's trying to drive the baseball nowadays and so you don't get any slow ground balls over there at third base. you get crazy overspin you get firm velocity and so why Longo likes to do it, and why he challenges himself every day, is he wants the spin or the velocity to play greater uh, than what he's going to get that night. So his eyes and his hands are are prepared, and so that's really the goal that those guys, why those guys like using those activities, and and how they've seen it uh, have positive results in the game. Yeah, it's funny because um, you know we're kind of going through all the the second baseman, and I almost like Longoria and Brandon Belt are almost an afterthought because they're so good. The guys at the corners, um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like with Crawford, right? Not only are they guys who are very reliable, Gold Glove caliber defenders, but they're also swinging the bats really well when they've been in there, um, and they kind of look rejuvenated. Period in in all facets of the game. How how are you seeing those those two Longoria and Belt this year? Yeah, you know, I think Cap's come out and said this publicly many times, especially having played with Longo as a young player, that he's playing the best defense of his career. And and although I'm incredibly biased, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, night in and night out, you've seen it too. The plays on the run, the hot shot. Um, you know, as an older player, he might not move like he once did. He might not throw like he once did, but he's completing, completing really tough plays yeah. at a really high clip. And and 
so that's what I'm seeing from Longo, and, and that's really fun. And just like Craw, he's a thinking man's infielder. He's always moving himself and moving somebody and communicating, if this happens, we'll do this. And um, that, that kind of flies under the radar. Um, in regards to doubt, I mean, I, I would say he might be the most underappreciated of the three. And what you get with doubt is the value you get with doubt, no one sees it. Right, it's these little moments where he looks at the batter and he thinks of, looks in for the sign and he looks at his card and he makes a deviation. He makes a last minute adjustment and somebody hits it right to him. And nobody sees that, right? All they see is on the TV screen, the camera goes to the belt and it's the ground ball to him and he flips it to the pitcher. And they don't realize that he's making these decisions every single night, um, whether it's an adjustment or maybe adjusting himself and then adjusting flow with him or Tommy or Donnie or, you know, or, uh, you know, making a decision of how he's going to hold a guy on. And he's worked so long and had so many conversations with Ron Wotus over the years that he, um, he's very, very elite at those, those simple adjustments. And they just don't show up in the box score in the highlight reel. Um, but I'm, I'm hopeful that more and more uh, he'll get the recognition that he deserves as a defender. Yeah, it's funny because those two almost as a combo with Longoria and Belt. Um, Longo is so good at, uh, you know, going to his right, making the play along the line behind the bag, and then making a long throw, often, a, uh, you know, bouncing it to first, and Belt has no problem with it. And then Lamont Wade, who does not play very much first base, is in there one day. Same exact scenario, and he comes up with a great in-between scoop. So uh, it's, it's almost like whoever you, you guys have over there. But, yeah, you're right. I think um, I think Longoria looks uh, – I've seen a lot of him over the years, and he's he looks as good right now defensively as, as I've ever seen him too. So I definitely would agree with Gabe um, with that. Now, you also got to work with a lot of the team's top young prospects during the spring. We talked a little bit about that during the spring. Uh, are you kind of keeping track of guys like that now? So I'm obviously thinking about guys, especially like Luciano and Wilson, that, that uh, you know, really kind of uh, show up on those big prospect lists and also guys that, that uh, you did get to work with some. Yeah, yeah. It's funny you mentioned that. Is uh, I was meeting with Cap just before uh, this call. And he said, hey, what's up? What are you doing? I said, oh, I was just taking in my daily dose of the SFG Prospects Twitter feed. <laughs> um, and, and, and I'm sure you watched that as well, but yep. that's a blast. Being Will Wilson Homer and Ramos Homer and all these, and Luciano Double and Moss. I mean, and one of these guys, I feel like based on that video thread, they never hit a ball in their 100 miles per hour. Um, but that's, that's kind of the primary way uh, to keep tabs. But we have so much going on here, you know, I uh, – I don't get to check in regularly, but our, our minor league defensive staff, kind of headed by Kyle Haynes and and, and Jason Wood, are, are are great teachers of infield play, and so it's fun texting with them and and getting little updates. But um, that, that's really about it for me. Yeah, so much more talent on the way in the, in the infield, and really, it's just a an absolute I think underrated defense right now, uh, especially the infield defense. You guys are among the league leaders in, in all the defensive categories, and it's really been fun to watch. Kai Kura, thanks so much for joining us today on Giant Splash. Thanks for having me, Susan. Our thanks again to Kai Kurea for joining us on Giant Splash. Our producers today were King Kaufman and G. Allen Johnson, and our music, Batter Up, was written and performed by Lauren Gold and Ray Eastless. We'll be back again next week with more Giant Splash. Thanks for listening.